Hello and welcome to the Box to Box podcast. I'm your host Ramzan Kamoto alongside Nicolas Katubola. Hello people. And Savani Mchawi. Hi guys. Yeah, so we take a bit of a hiatus, uh, some two weeks break, uh, as all humans must rest. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think some of us had tests and things like that. So um, yeah, obviously we just have to be we just have to be honest. Uh, this is this is uh, quite a bit of work. So taking two weeks off to make sure that we don't fail in life as well is probably <laughs> a pretty good idea. So. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, while we're on break, like there's so much football that actually happened. I don't know if that's a good thing or if that's a bad thing. Um, it's given us quite a lot to talk about this week. Um, I've never had like a like my book so full full like this of stuff to talk about, right? And we're actually not gonna talk about everything. But what what I will say is a lot of these things will become future topics, right? So for example. We had a huge manager exodus over the last like one one or two weeks. So Perlo is out. Uh, he's in. Uh, Allegri is back in for him. Zidane is out. Gattuso got sacked. Uh, Spalletti has just been confirmed. Mourinho is at Roma. I don't know if we had spoken about that. Uh, Spurs mm. is in contact with Pochettino. Ole is about to sign a new deal. And Conte is also out. So we had a huge managers leaving. Um I think in one of the previous episodes, we had talked about how there are not enough managers to go around. Everyone kind of has a secure job. Well, now no one has a secure job. It seems like a bunch of like elite or elitish managers have just kind of opened up. Um, and I think some of these, like I said, we'll, we'll talk about them either in later episodes or with uh, different people. So like Ole is out um, uh, no, Ole is not out. Ole, 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 Ole is very in. Ole is very in. Um, um, uh, but we've got, we've got someone coming on later in the show. Maybe we can ask him about that uh, to to see what what Man United fans also like have to say about that. Other big things that happened over the last two weeks is Benzema's finally back with France. I'm a big Benzema fan. I think the whole pod is is like we're all fans of Benzema, isn't it? Have I turned all of you guys? <laughs> I'm a fan, but not as big as you. Yo, I'm a huge fan. Benzema is my guy. So he's back with France. Um, yeah, those guys are going to be dangerous. What can I say? Uh, Messi's contract is about to expire in like one month. So, you know, ticking time bomb there. Uh, Donnarumma did not extend his contract. Harry Kane is also having his thing and a bunch of transfer stuff is also going on. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's literally a lot to go through and it kind of feels like I'm not doing these things justice by just reading them out. Um, a lot of these things we will talk about at a later date. Um, what I would like to talk about in this first segment is the top four races, which was very interesting. And I think, guys, like football to watch, right, over the last two weeks has been really nice to watch. This is, it's never, no, maybe I shouldn't say never, but it's not usually like this where we've got so many moving pieces, either at the top of the table, uh, in the middle of the table, or, uh, you know, think things like that, or even with Champions League and the Europa League. We don't usually have this many moving pieces where there's so much uncertainty. So if we look at like the Premier League, mm-hmm. uh, no one expected Leicester to be out of the top four. Like, let's just be real. I think a lot of people had, <laughs> a lot of people had Leicester there as shoe-ins. You'd have to go back to our previous episodes where we talked about. Um, you you um, guys even had West Ham. Did we have West Ham? Oh yeah, yeah, we you had West Ham. West Ham. 
Did I say West Ham? Yes, you did. No, nah, I was bugging. I was bugging. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Yeah, no, but there, there, there was just like a lot of changes. And who knocked, who knocked Leicester out of the top four? Was it Spurs? Chelsea. What do you mean? Like the game they're supposed to win? Yeah, or yeah, who yeah. Put their play? Yeah, no, the game that they were supposed to win. Spurs. Yeah. Yeah, they were supposed to. They were supposed to beat Spurs. I think who scored in that game? I think it was Bale or someone. I don't know. Body, um, body brace, Bale brace. Bale brace. Kane. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot no, the other score. Unfor- unfortunate for them, bro. Um, um, I think those guys have like really like made their mark in football now. But they're still gonna be in Yo. Europe. They're still gonna play Europa League. So let's even won the um, FA Cup while we're gone. Yeah, Leicester won the FA Cup while we're gone. Uh, Suarez, Suarez did his thing in, in La Liga as well. So they had a big top four, yeah. okay, a top of the table race. Um, Madrid won that game. Uh, Atletico also won that game. So eventually Atletico ended up winning the league. So And, uh, yeah. and Lil, Lil as well. Oh, yeah, Lil, Lil, Lil beat um, PSG to the title. Um, congrats. Uh, a lot of their players, I think, are gonna are gonna be bored <laughs> by by uh, a lot of a lot of other teams. We've already seen their keepers gone to AC Milan, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hearing I'm hearing that um Samari, their uh, midfield general, is going to Leicester apparently. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So they they also gonna lose a bunch of players, but now big up to them. Again, it goes back to what we were saying a couple of weeks ago about um them being a feeder league, league on being a feeder league, not being able to hold on to their key players. But hey, if they can get some millions off those guys, you know, develop other parts of their football club, then you know what can you say? Um, so yeah, you know, uh, big big up to all the teams that you know succeeded, uh, to all the to all the managers that have been able to keep their jobs. Uh, and yeah, we do have like a really big episode today, so I'm I'm really not gonna say much. We've got two guys coming in. We're gonna want to try something a little bit different. Two guys are gonna come in and uh, tell us a little bit about the Champions League and the Europa League, and then we're gonna have Nicholas also explaining to us a little bit more about uh, European football, the the Euros um, that are gonna happen in the next few weeks. So stay tuned. Uh, we hope you enjoy this episode. Let's go to the next segment. Now on to the second segment. We're trying something a little different. We've decided to bring in a few guests. Our first guest today is Mark Chinyamunyamu. Hi, guys. Um, we've decided to have guests for this segment to get their view, their opinion on their respective teams. In this case, Mark's team is Manchester United and on how... <laughs> how the Euro- European quest went for them and what happened in Europe for them, basically. So our first guest is Mark. We're talking about Manchester United and the Europa League final. But before we get to that, quickly, Mark, what can you tell me about your season this year? Um, well, first of all, thanks for having me. I feel honored <laughs> to be your first guest. But yeah, um, the season as a whole, if I kind of look back at the beginning of the season... Um, I think I think we started quite poorly. It's obvious we started quite poorly. I th- we lost to Crystal Palace, the 6-1 defeat to Tottenham, and we lost to Arsenal, which I think was the most embarrassing out of all the, out of all the games. <laughs> but yeah, but from there, um, Champions League, I think we started well, but then we bombed at the end and we got knocked out. 
but after that, I think it was. I think it's been good. Uh, we we played some good football. We're winning games left, right, and center. I think we were a really hard team to beat. Uh, we had a couple of draws, but yeah, I think it's now closer to the end of the season where we started struggling and obviously where we slipped up in the in the final. But overall, I'd give uh, our season a B plus, A minus. Yeah, it's been a, a it's strong. Been a- a strong 8 out of 10 for me. I am the resident Man United fan here. So I'm with you, Mark. And everything, everything that you say, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. No. Um, I won't give my opinion because this is, not, this is not about me. But moving on, I think we then went on. We're talking about the final, yeah? Um, yeah. I really wish we spoke before the final. Because I know what you, you, I know your thoughts before the final, but everyone doesn't know what you're thinking. So quickly, just tell us what you're thinking prior to the final. Um, prior to the final, I thought, I thought, I thought it was ours. To be honest, I still think it should have been ours. I mean, you look at Villarreal, you look at our team. I think we outclass Villarreal in almost every single position. I think we have better players in Villarreal. That's that's for sure. I I think we have. We have winners in our team as well. That's that's what gave me confidence. I mean, Paul Pogba, he's won the Europe the Europa before. He's won the World Cup. Uh, Marcus Rashford, uh, Cavani. Or we have we have winners in our team, and so because of that, I, I was very confident. And uh, yeah, I, I thought I thought we we're going to be European champions or we we're going to win a so European Cup. So what, what went wrong? wrong? What should have happened? I think on the day we just didn't turn up. Um. I think I, I was speaking to you privately when you guys lost to Villarreal. And before your game started, I saw Thomas Party in the tunnel. He went over to the Villarreal players and started like smiling and hugging them. And I remember I criticized him for that because I said, you're about to go to war with these Villarreal players and you go in and you're, you're hugging them and giving them high fives and kisses. And I'm like, what are you doing? And in the final, this is probably the biggest game of our season. I saw David Deir go over to the Villarreal players and hug them and kiss them and give them high fives. And I was like, what are you doing? Show, be strong, show your mentality, be serious, man. You're about to, you know, go and fight these guys for, for, for a trophy, for a European trophy. And then Paul Pogba, when uh, the squads had lined up, lined up um, for the beginning of the match, you saw him smiling. And I was like, I don't have a problem <laughs> with Paul Pogba smiling, but it's just, it's like he took it a little bit too easy. Like he thought we had already won. And uh, looking at how we started the game, I think it was more of the same from the whole team. They, they lacked urgency. They didn't look like they wanted to go and get it done quickly. They looked like, oh, we'll just pass the ball around and someone will do something and Bruno will score a goal or, or something like that. And it just didn't think, happen. Do you think Maguire was a big miss? Definitely. Nah, definitely. He's a... He's, He's a leader, he's an organizer at the back, and he's strong. I think uh, uh, Lindelof aerially, he's, he's easy dominated. Bailly is unpredictable, and so, yeah, we, we did miss him. Can I just add something? I, I do get surprised a little bit when I hear that Man United fans think that this game was going to be a shoo-in. Villarreal is a very hard team to beat, and they're a team that has very capable players, despite the obvious strength that Man United has. Gerard Moreno is going to be um, Spain's starting striker. Uh, Paco Alcacer, we all, we all know what he does. And Spanish players do gel well together. 
they didn't have Chukwezi, but if they had him on that um on that right side, he would have been a problem as well. Kapu Kapu is a really good like solid midfielder, and Pauter is obviously at the back there. You guys, uh, Man United, want him as well. So I do like I am a little bit surprised when like United make this game, and even uh, even when we're talking on the pod with Sovani, uh, and Sovani was like, "Oh no, Villarreal, we're gonna we're gonna we've got them, whatever." I do get a little bit surprised. This, these are very very good teams. Um, why why was the mentality just kind of okay? Maybe not from the players, but from the fans. Why was it like this is going to be an easy game for us? I actually disagree with that. I have to say, <laughs> I disagree massively with that. <laughs> um, you know, sorry, Mark. I think you know you could probably agree with me, but if you are our poor side, I'm sorry. The only, reason, <laughs> the only reason why I say this is that dude, they finished seventh in the seventh. Liga. So it's either that says something about the Premier League or that says something, you know, or that just says something a bit more about, uh, you know, Manchester United and Arsenal in particular, you know, in losing to them, to be fair, because honestly, they're a poor side. I was looking at them in La Liga. I'm just looking at, I was actually, I've actually watched a few Villarreal games, particularly against the big sides uh, in the Liga, for example, yeah. Against Barcelona, poor. Against Atletico, poor. Against Real Madrid, poor. And the funny thing is that those three Spanish teams have also been very poor this year. So for me, I think United were very justified in thinking that they were going to take the game. Maybe a bit too arrogant, but then it was justified that, you know, they thought they were going to win the match. Because honestly, it, it, was a, it was one of the poorest Arsenal sides we've, uh, we've ever seen in recent history. And then it's like you kind of understand <laughs> why that happened. But then for me, I just but thought But they had United, Emery. They- yeah, of course, there's that factor. But then for me, no. As in like, it just doesn't... For me, United were justified. United fans were justified in having to... Uh, just to add, just <laughs> to add this, was, this was their first major trophy. So, Ramzan, when, you, when you're picking up Villarreal, saying, no, they have people, what do you have to show for? These guys finished seventh. They've never won a major trophy. Why, why should you not think this is an easy walkover? I'll get up against Villarreal. Starting with Emery. Arsenal and then also with United. What do you mean they have Emery? Arsenal had Emery too. It's it's not, it's yeah, not all no, just about <laughs> no no so. but I, but I, but as I've said in the past, England is a very toxic place. Uh, so so Emery could not <laughs> em, Emery could not could not survive in England. No, I I do, I do think that Villarreal had um, they had some case in winning this game. Uh, so you guys with the whole pedigree thing, in terms of which team needed to win this more, Man United definitely needed to win this more. Um, they're already in the Champions League, so it's not because of that, but they did need it for themselves to like, okay, whatever, this season has been up and down, but we definitely have like a trophy with us. I think they needed yeah. it more than Villarreal. Um, and maybe that, I don't know, did that add to the pressure? Rashford, Rashford in those last like 10, 15 minutes uh, was kind of shaky. Eh? No, uh, not uh, so 10 minutes before, before um, extra time was, was really shaky. Um, I don't no. know whether the pressure got to them. Oh, yeah. Um I think the whole the whole team an extra time. I think the whole team was kind of shaky. I think Ole actually told them that you know what, I'm not gonna make any changes. You guys are just gonna you, you've already played 90 minutes, you're gonna play the rest of the, the 30 minutes. Just make sure you don't concede and we'll win this on penalties. I think I think that was the strategy because we didn't attack in, in uh extra time. Something we just kind of sat back. Touching on that, um, why does Ole not trust his bench at all? It's like you guys are a team of eleven, literally. That, you're a team of eleven. You saw bench? Emery make changes prior to the uh, ending of the ninety minutes. He made five changes. There were 
they were a fresh side in extra time. He made he brought in two new fullbacks. He brought in a midfielder. He brought in a striker. You know, you guys could have easily done that. Why doesn't Ole trust his bench? You know what? That is my that's the biggest gripe I have with Ole is the is the fact that he doesn't seem to to trust or be able to to switch things around when it when it comes to it. I think he. I know he probably didn't want Van de Beek. I think we all know he wanted uh, Jaden Sancho. Uh, I think we all know he wanted uh, a centre back, and he didn't get that. But for some for some reason, he still doesn't trust any of the other players, right? And I think it's because they're not game changers, right? I, I like yeah. Ole. I really I really do. But he seems to kind of rely on individual brilliance at times. He doesn't really have an identity to the way um, the way that Thomas Tuchel has an identity or Pep Guardiola has an identity. You see, he can, Thomas Tuchel can kind of switch players around and it'll, it'll all be okay because they kind of all have an identity. But United, we can't do that because we just rely on individuals. So if we take off Bruno Fernandes, then we're in trouble. We take off Paul Pogba, we're in trouble. We take out Edison Cavani, we're in trouble. So, yeah, it's a... It is a, it's a strange one. Hopefully, um, if he gets back to this summer and he gets the players that he actually wants, he'll be able to, to kind of re- make reinforcements in the squad and uh, be able to switch out the first 11. But as for now, I don't think that will change. Why do you think you guys have gone trophyless for so long now? This is now four years and counting. What needs to change, man? <laughs> you're asking me some tough questions. Um, I don't know why we've gone trophyless. It feels like we come so close each season. At least last season, I mean, four semifinals, man. That was that was devastating to lose all four. This season, I really thought we'd do it, and we just didn't. I I think the truth of the matter is maybe we're just not good enough. We're just not good enough to win a trophy because I don't I don't think we've played well enough in the games where we could have won trophies to warrant winning a trophy, if you get what I mean. Yeah, I do. You know, you know what, Mark? But at what point do the players start taking responsibility? Right? I don't, I've never been a fan of the we're not good enough conversation because I've seen other teams that... Uh, Villarreal, for example, you guys have told me here how Villarreal is not good enough, but here they are walking away with the, with the Europa League uh, uh, championship. At what point do we start saying that Marcus Rashford, for all the good things that he does with England and, and his, charitable, his charitable efforts with England, at what point do we start to say that, come on, man, like now we, need, we really need a bit more, uh, including Bruno, Bruno Fernandes as well, who didn't really have a, a, a really good game. Um, man United is not, a, is not a bad side, not by any measure anymore. I don't think that that excuse extends to you guys. Um, you, don't, you don't have um, to be a good team. From this, season, from this season going forward. You don't have to be a good team to be a good cup side. We've seen, we've seen it. <laughs> Tottenham, how did they you get to the Champions League final, etc. So, yeah. that, that's fair. I think, I think, yeah, I think that's fair. I think Leicester are a good example of that. I think Chelsea are a better team than Leicester, but Leicester managed to get one over them in the FA Cup. Yeah, I think you're, yeah. you're right. I think we do just need to look at the players and say, "Come on, guys, you, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be losing." Come on, I look at I look at the way we conceded mm. the first goal. I mean, it was from a set piece, and that's we've been conceding goals from set pieces all season. And you'd expect that we'd be we'd be improving on that, but again, 
we fall victim to uh, our lack of ability to clear balls when they're coming in from set pieces. And it's, I think we, you do just have to start looking at the players and say, what are you guys doing? You're professionals. You train every week. We expect better from you. I think it would have really helped you if you guys won this, if you won the, the, the Europa this season. Uh, for next season's guys, uh, maybe they would have had a bit less pressure. But now, it sounds like Man United is going to spend a lot, whether it's on Haaland or Kane or Sancho or Power Torres or whoever. It seems like you're going to spend a lot and those guys are going to be under a lot of pressure to deliver you something. Uh, I've got, you know, it's very early, but I've got United winning the league next season. Uh, anyway, oh. let's hope that you let's hope, let's hope you know what you, you know what the last time Chelsea won the Champions League the next season United went on to win the Premier League so yeah I think that's going to happen again I see that, that happening doesn't mean again anything. that doesn't mean anything <laughs> yeah. yeah. alright okay. let's wrap it up guys um, Mark going forward you believe in Ole should Ole be at the wheel is he the man for the job? <laughs> you know what? Um, I, I, I don't think I can give you a definite answer. I know it's a bit boring, but I don't think I can give you a definite answer. What I can say is that under Ole, we have made a lot of progress. I like the direction we're going in, and I feel like uh, he, he brings a positive vibe around the camp. And I think for the first time in a long time, there's actual hope and belief that he can do something. But on the other hand, I feel like Ole sometimes lacks the tactical nous or yeah, how do you say that word? Nous, nous. Yeah. Um to to kind of play with the big boys. Against Una Emery, I think he was outclassed tactically. I think Una made uh, changes at the right time. He kinda knew how to nullify our attack and Ole just had no ideas. And uh I think the the word clutch comes into mind when I think of Ole. It seems as a manager, he has very little or no clutch at all. Uh, apart from securing Champions League football last season, he's not done anything where he's not won anything significant to make me feel like, oh yes, Ole is at the, Ole is at the wheel. Oh yes. You know, it's just, it's just been like winning a few games here and there, like winning against PSG at the beginning of the season, winning against RB Leipzig, winning against PSG all those years ago. It's just moments like that. But in terms of delivering big, yeah, he's he's come short. I think we've enjoyed having you, Mark. No, thank this you very much. It's, it's been fun. This is the conclusion of this part. And we'll have the next guest on in a minute. Okay, everyone, uh, for this next segment, we're going to focus on the Champions League and we're going to focus particularly on, you know, the winners, Chelsea Football Club. <laughs> and <laughs> and this is this is a very this is a very touching one for me because, uh, you know, I, I know Dia didn't think it back then, but then <laughs> maybe a few apologies are in order to a certain extent, because I literally dismissed any iota of Chelsea winning the Champions League. I literally said there's no chance in hell. And uh, it seems as though there really was, uh, you know, quite something. And um, I, I have to say, the late season form that Chelsea has shown has been 
one of the factors. But then, do you really think that? Uh, well, indeed, this is just a question for you. What do you think was the main reason for success ever since uh, Lamps got the sack? Um, you know, I feel like from from the moment from the moment Thomas Tuchel came in, um, like I don't know, it just everything. It look, it seemed like everyone just had a point to prove. I don't know. There's always that um, there's always that thing whenever a new manager comes in, where everyone is trying to is trying to like everyone's trying to get in favor of the new manager, you know. So they're playing the hearts out and all that stuff, right? And um. And you know, I just feel like there was an element to that, um, where people were playing the best football that I've seen them play. Um, for example, Mason Mount, I feel like he improved a lot under Tuko because, um, because he knew that it wasn't gonna, it wasn't gonna be easy for him to like, to just to just get into the squad like he was with Lampard, right? And um, and obviously with Tuko favoring his Germans, the likes of. Kai Havertz, you know, guys, um, you know, he had to step <laughs> up his game. So, so I believe, I believe, um, you know, of course, of course, there's, there also has to be like um, the his tactics, you know, the three defenders at the back and playing more compact football and all that. But I feel like the main thing for me was every player playing their heart, their heart out, you know, especially Rudiger as well. Rudiger, ish, that's it. Really, playing like he's playing like the best defender in the world, dude. Like, ish. did you see his blog against Fordham yesterday? But um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but but yeah, I I feel like um, I feel like it's mainly the players playing their hearts out, and um, and yeah, I feel like that's where most of it went right. Uh, I don't know. Do you think? Do, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh, sorry, 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 Nick. Let me let me let me have this real quick. Do you think that um? You know, Chelsea being kind of considered underdogs to some extent is is a bit you know disrespectful given how much Chelsea spent in the summer. Uh, I I had Chelsea as maybe not title favorites, but I did have them as a team that was gonna take City all the way. Um, and when they were like at a point, you were top of the table, but then when you did dip in yeah. form, I did think that that was like a really big injustice on um, the the quality of the squad. So do you think that the whole I know that you've won, you've won and you did outclass City, yeah. but a lot of people uh-huh. will still be like, you had an easy road, you had Madrid, you yeah. didn't have Bayern, you didn't have PSG. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. do, do you think that the underdog thing is like a bit disrespectful? Um, maybe more disrespectful um, than it was even in 2012? No, I don't think it was disrespectful. I feel like I I understand where everyone is coming from. Because even me, myself, I, I looked at us as the underdogs, right? Um, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, i not because we have a good, I'm not because um, our squad isn't good enough, but, but, um, but, um, because what do you call this? You know, the way everything just happened, um, you know, we had to change money just halfway through the season, and it's never easy for, um, for a manager to just, to just come in and implement the ideas and for the players to constantly get it right. Um, while all of these other teams, you see that they've had their managers for like for years. The, every player knows what the manager wants. Um, for example, Man City, Man City with Pep, they've had him for like how many years? Like what, five years? Four? Um, yeah. And and yeah, like you know, it's it's hard to it's hard for a manager to just come in and implement their ideas then and there. 
So I feel like I, I understand where the underdog um, thing is coming from. And no, it's not it's not disrespectful at all because, you know, it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, it's not easy for someone to just come in and start winning trophies, you know, after after what after like two or three months, and um, oh, and yeah, yeah, like the word huh? <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I don't think it was disrespectful. So, do you have any takes on this? Actually, I thought uh, <laughs> you're ready with uh, quite a few questions. To be fair, unless uh, anything else is addressed. <laughs> All right. I wanted to discuss Tuto and the introduction of Tuto and how he very much almost fumbled the bag. He almost lost everything. Last <laughs> did you think? Yeah, you guys. Out? You guys, uh-huh. you last two weeks. You haven't been breathing properly, eh? I know that now you're happy, but you haven't been breathing that's, properly in the last two weeks. That's true, right? That's, that's really us, true. Us, us um, Arsenal fans, us Arsenal fans, we, we've been in the mud, bro. We've been in the mud, so we, we were okay. <laughs> We were okay, yeah, bro. Yeah, but you guys, yeah, you guys, yeah. you had like a lot at stake over the last two weeks. Yeah, Prior we, we to... did. Um, you know, mm. losing losing the FA Cup final. Um, almost almost losing top four. You know, um, <laughs> if it wasn't for Bell, uh, ish. Honestly, I I don't know what it was. I really don't know. I don't know what the different form was, but I felt like um. Of ish, there was so much pressure, man. But I felt like once the the clean sheets, once the clean sheets um dried up, it was yeah. it was a lot harder. It was a lot harder to win games, especially and not because we weren't able to score. You know, um, I feel like if I feel like if this was if this was three or four years ago, we would have had we would have had a lot more goals. It's just that you know there's a lot of decisions that never went in our favor. Um, a lot of a a a lot of offside calls that were um that were <laughs> called, <laughs> you know yeah. um. Be told, yeah, you guys don't have a striker. Huh? You your dip in form has been due to you guys failing to score goals. Because we can't say your defense <laughs> is poor. Your defense is good. You're solid from the back. Your midfield is good enough, but you don't have yeah. a talisman. You don't have a a goal scorer, and that's that explains that, the difference. That's true. Hey, um, so Sobani, talk to him respectfully. That's a, <laughs> a Champions League winner, bro. <laughs> Dude, I'm a European champion, bro. I'm a European champion. Please I don't talk, know. talk to me nice. Talk to me nice. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't know about I don't know about you. Well, I think you know, I think every single fan that uh supports a Premier League team can uh, attest to the fact that uh-huh. it's been one of the most humbling seasons. For pretty much every fan this year, as in everybody has had yeah. a banter period. Every team has had a banter yeah. period, some longer than others. Yeah. But then yeah. I think Chelsea have kind of shown us that, you know, late season form is powerful. <laughs> Clearly, because yeah. um, uh, I'm pretty sure yeah. by the time by the time Lamps uh, by the time Lamps got the sack, I didn't really foresee mm-hmm. uh, this much of a dramatic change. But now Kai Havertz was yeah. on the flops of the season list, and now. It's it's kind of cooled down. Uh, not not to say yeah, not to yeah. say that not to say that um some people might not consider him a flop, but all of a sudden he's like when you see late season form, all of a sudden you're talking yeah. maybe they're not that bad anymore. As an honest, maybe uh a few question marks over certain other players. But then I think no, I think at this stage, uh Chelsea have uh, justified the two hundred million pounds that have been spent, unless you, yeah, unless you guys think that the Champions League is more of a uh. 
an accomplishment rather than something that shows that you've actually been good throughout the entire season? Um, yeah, I don't think it shows something. Um, I don't think it, it portrays our entire season because there's been like so many ups and downs, man. A lot of downs, a lot of downs. But um, but I feel like I feel like winning the Champions League, um, yeah, it it doesn't really portray our season. It, it's more like um, it's more like just just an accomplishment. Um, I feel like for a team to um, for a team to go out and spend two two hundred million pounds, for you to look at them as a success, they have to they have to win the league, you know, because. Because yeah. the league, because you know, um, in 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 league football, you have to be so consistent, you know. Yeah. You have to be, you have to be so consistent. So um, so yeah, it's that it's that sort of thing. Where so that, is that what you is that the expectation? Is that what you're expecting? Is that what you're expecting next season? Yeah, that, that's definitely what I'm expecting next season. Um, I expect us to win the treble next season. <laughs> <laughs> okay. At least, at, least out, at least he didn't say the quadruple. <laughs> if you go out there and get a striker, I think you could most definitely really push for the league. I think if there's a team that can push yeah. City, it's not going to be United. Huh? I think it's yeah. going to be Chelsea. It's not going to be Liverpool either. Are you sure about I that? Think... No, I don't think. I feel like may, may, maybe Van Dijk is back. Could be Liverpool. Could be a three-horse race. Yeah, you could say a three-horse race because I think Liverpool. But Honest, but Liverpool as well this season have been funny, but that's a topic for another day. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I have like I have two more things for you, um, and then, and yeah. then we should really get get uh, you know get this to the next uh, segment. Um, right. For you, tell me about Timo Werner, right? I've been very critical about a lot of Chelsea players, but particularly uh-huh. Timo Werner, and, and and to some uh-huh. degree Mason Mount. Of course, I've become. I've become, uh, you know, more on Mason Mount's side. But tell me about Timo Werner. How do Chelsea fans actually feel about that guy? You know, I was actually having, um, uh, I was actually talking about this with my friends the other day, where we were talking about this, um, this Timo Werner issue. It's it's really hard. Um, it's really hard to, to, it's hard to say whether he's been a flop or whether or whether he's been great for us, right? Because, you know, I was telling them that this was like a couple of weeks ago, right? I was telling them that, you know, if if Chelsea win the FA Cup and the Champions League Mm. and Timo Werner in that FA Cup and Champions League winning team is the player with the most goal contribution, is he really a flop, you know? Yeah. Is he really a flop, you know? Um, So that's... it's, It's a tricky one. But, um, I mean, personally... I don't think that he's a flop. I don't think that he's a flop because, you know, because um, of everything he's done. Like every time he plays, every time he plays, you could, you, every time he plays and he doesn't play, you can tell the difference. Um, you know, yeah. he's one of our, he's more, he's one of our more direct players. And Let me ask yeah. you, yeah. why did you guys sign Timo Werner? <laughs> so Vandy has come with an agenda. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you try? You want me to say? You you want me to say the score goals? <laughs> the score goals. Yeah. The score goals. And then and yeah. then you're gonna be like, and then you're gonna be like, <laughs> how many does he have? He's not doing that. Okay. How many goals does he have? Does he have like eight goals? Like what? Eight seven, goals. Six. 
Jorginho leads top goal with seven goals. So how many does Rooney have? Okay, he has he has six goals and like and a bunch of assists, right? But um, but he was brought in to score goals. But I feel like you also have to consider um, you have to consider how his role changed throughout the season. Um, you know, sometimes sometimes circumstances change, and and you know you have to, yeah, you, ha- you have to change. I mean, you have to but change your tactics. I was, I was, striker. Uh, what? Okay. <laughs> I feel like I feel like that's it's it's an unfair way to judge a player. Um, I agree. Because you know, um, and you know, for for example. By his goal contribution. Uh, yeah, for example, for example, wait, wait, let me tell you. For example, with uh-huh. Liverpool, right? With mm. Liverpool, you look at you look at Firmino. Firmino was brought in as a striker, no? He was brought in as a striker, and he was expected True. to score goals. You know, True. and throughout the years, throughout the years, um, his job changed. You know, he was linking. He was he was really bringing in the balls from. He was the link between midfield and attack for Salah, money, right? And, True. and you know he's 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 top scoring goals and you know uh-huh. yeah exactly so it's the same thing Mane and Salah uh, now for Chelsea yeah. who who is he linking up for who is Werner linking the ball to who has who, more who than ten goals assisting he he has more than huh? he has more than okay he's won us like a bunch of penalties he's won he's won he's won more penalties for us um than certain teams have won penalties the whole season and and you know. <clears throat> And and I feel like that has to count for something. I mean, he's not scoring goals, but it has to count for something. Listen, listen, dear. I've just checked the stat. He has eight assists. So uh-huh. right? he has eight assists. 45. And how many penalties won? I thought the don't penalties won go under assists. Don't they go under assists? No, 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 not under, not not under official stats. Okay, fine. But under official stats, he has six goals, eight assists. For 45 million pounds, you bring in a number nine. He has six goals, eight assists. Can you justify how he's not a flop? He's still getting Yeah, let me jump in for you. Let me jump in for you. He cannot be saying that. He cannot be saying that when he has a in his team. Aubameyang, who does absolutely... With us, absolutely nothing. No, no, I, I do, I do agree. I do agree that um, that I think Werner does play a slightly different role. I don't like how he plays football, right? And that's that's a me, that's me, a personal thing. Uh, to me, he does feel like a, a kind of reactionary player. He does things too quickly, you know. Every time he touches the ball, you're not quite sure. You're not quite sure if he's gonna control it properly. You're not quite sure if he's gonna, you know. There's no proper certainty that you get from other players who are just a lot more, you know, skillful. Um, so I have that issue with Werner, but you know, obviously, you cannot deny some of the the runs that he has made. Uh, in deal, like I said, talked in DNA. Nice. He's a he's a European champion. So um, yeah, but but uh, yeah, sorry, go on. I was looking. Um, someone on Twitter posted his heat map throughout the season, right? And yeah. and you can see that he's mainly played as a as a winger, you know, not not as a not as a striker. Um, and and I don't know. I guess you could you could you could argue that even even if you look at, uh, even if you look at, for example, the lineups, right? 
um sometimes it shows that he's in the middle but then when you actually watch the Chelsea match he goes out wide yeah, he, play, he plays quite wide yeah <laughs> yeah yeah he, he plays he plays so, wide so you know so I so, like, so for I you is it uh-huh sorry for you for you is the next thing then to get a striker are you are you very serious about Harry Kane uh no, or Haaland or someone like that Lukaku or Lukaku possibly. yeah I want Lukaku. I want Lukaku. Um, I, 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 I know Harry Kane wouldn't come to Chelsea. Harry Kane's probably gonna go to Manchester City. Um, but I want, I want Lukaku to come back because he knows the league inside and out, and um, and I feel like he, I feel like he's in his prime right now. Like, so yeah, he's in his prime. I, 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 and and you know he's a type of player that um that can adapt to anything. I I I haven't really seen much of Hall much of Haaland to like to to talk about the type of player that he is but um but with Lukaku I feel like he can adapt to anything if you playing if your team is playing possession football he can still get he can still get goals from that if if your team if your team um if your team is playing counter attacking football he can he can still get goals from that if you want him to hold up play for you he can do that as well I feel like he he is the complete striker and um and I would like to see Lukaku come back to Chelsea. Okay, I no, think bro, yeah, that's, uh, sounds great. <laughs> that okay. should uh, cover pretty much everything. No, I think Chelsea will kick on next year. Uh, I think they'll challenge and I think well if they just get a striker they should be yeah, I think they'll they'll be not a shoe in but then they'll challenge for the title for the title. I won't be surprised if they win the title again. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, we have to be respectful of Chelsea Football Club because as much as it, it hurts me personally, they have been possibly the most successful club in the past 20 years. I thought I saw a stat, 17 trophies. Uh, mm-hmm. I think City uh, come next with 13. So it's clear that even though Abramovich's model is ruthless, it, it works. Uh, and that's, yeah. that's what it comes down to. It works. And um, I think... <laughs> Yeah. If I wasn't an Arsenal fan, I'd be a Chelsea fan, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he seems, he seems only coming out now. But no, I think uh, we can wrap this up unless there's anything else to say. Uh, no, um, th- thanks a lot, Leo, for coming. Uh, we appreciate yeah. you, bro. And uh, if there's anything else, we're going to let you know. All right, thanks for having me. Um, I expect I expect a personalized apology from every, from each and every one of you. For what you say in in episode in episode two in episode two twenty three minutes of, of the Vox podcast, <laughs> but um but but thanks for having me guys it was it was it was a good one. Okay, so it's time to move on to a very very important segment. It's actually the titular uh segment of this entire pod for uh the remainder of the next two months. And it's the Euros. That's why it's the Euro 2020 edition. Uh, honestly, international football is... I won't say that I enjoy it personally because it interferes with club football, but then I do love the fact that it does come in the summer. Uh, well, should I say the West, uh, the Northern Hemisphere summer in particular? Because it just means that football doesn't stop. <laughs> yeah. And um, at this stage, I think we were very doubtful as to whether the Euros would even happen in the first place, but luckily it's there. It's still called 2020, even though it's in 2021. And we want to get into some early predictions for the, for the groups that have uh, 
come to fruition for this tournament. <laughs> and uh, I think I'm just going to mention all, I think it's uh, group A to F. I'm just going to mention them all very quickly. Uh, so group A for the Euros has Italy, Switzerland, Turkey, Wales. Group B has Belgium, Russia, Denmark, Finland. Group C has Ukraine, Netherlands, Austria, North Macedonia. Group D has England, Croatia, Czech Republic, Scotland. Group E has Spain, Poland, <laughs> Sweden, and Slovakia. And my favorite group, uh, Group F. I don't even know whether it's just a coincidence that they put them <laughs> at the bottom here, Group F. You the have <laughs> the group of death. You have you have the world champions. The world champions. <laughs> the world champions, France, the European mm. champions, Portugal, and the former world champions, Germany, and unfortunately, against all that is Hungary. Uh to deal mm. with the rest of those three. That's a tough tough group, guys. That's a tough group. (laughs) No clear winners. And I can tell. (laughs) And I can Hmm. say, I can say that when it comes to international football, I don't know whether it's okay for me to say this, but international football is the highest level you can compete at because it's literally the country's best players you're talking about. It's the country's best players. Hence, why I remember one time when I heard that Golakante mentioned that he was actually out of breath when he faced Argentina in the World Cup in 2018. So that should tell you something about the World Cup. Yeah. Now Everyone's the up for The intensity is so high. There's literally no bad team in a, in a you know, national competition. <laughs> yeah, there isn't, honestly. But uh, I think, no, let's just get into some quick early predictions. Um, I'm just going to go group by group. I'm going to lay out uh, what I think... We'll qualify, and I think either of you can arbitrate as to whether it doesn't make sense or it makes sense. Uh, for Group A, I think I think uh, most likely I'm looking at it right now, and I do look at Italy and Switzerland in particular uh, in comparison to Turkey and Wales. I don't know whether you guys think that Wales would do that thing, because you know how there's always a dark horse every single year. Yeah. Uh, Wales were that. Wales were the dark horse in Euro 2016. I'm not too sure about now, though. Yeah, I, I have I have no issues with with you saying that. Um, <laughs> I I do think Switzerland is a um, is a very powerful team in Europe. I I think they're always hard to beat. I think where like like whoever they meet, they're always difficult to beat. Um, I think they're definitely going to go through. Captain yeah. Zaka. So- Soaps, Jaka. Of course, of course, I'll back him and Nation. Switzerland are actually yeah. a decent side through, through, yeah. through. Like from from the goals to up front, they have good players in all departments. And in that group, I think they will. I they will see it through definitely. Okay, uh, moving on to Group B: uh, Belgium, Russia, Denmark, Finland. I will respectfully rule Finland out. However, for Belgium, Russia, and Denmark, you don't Russia, believe. <laughs> Russia, Russia, <laughs> Russia, Russia, Russia really showed us. <laughs> Russia really showed us at the World Cup that they can be a serious side. Unless maybe it was just I'm the host. We need to have that host jump. Uh, to be fair, <laughs> but um, you know, for me, Denmark is uh is, is too much of a talented side. 
in uh, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Same thing Denmark and sorry. Denmark and, and, and Belgium. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Denmark. Denmark is a wicked team, as in it. It has quality from the goalkeeper. They have a creative midfielder. They have decent striker. Yeah. So now we have to get to Group C, and Group C is probably the most boring group in my opinion. But then, unfortunately, it's international football, so it could be interesting. Ukraine, Netherlands, Austria, North Macedonia. I'm not. I'm not really an expert with Ukraine. I pretty much only know Zinchenko in that team, unless there's anybody else that you guys know. As a Ukrainian national, but um, you know, Netherlands are back in their first tournament since 2014, guys. Don't forget the last tournament that they were in was the Jeez. World Cup in 2014. Jeez. They failed to qualify for the Euros in 2016. They failed to qualify for the 2018 World Cup. They're finally back in this competition, and uh, they, uh, have, they have something to prove. They have something to prove. That's, that, that's something to prove. However, Van Dyke is out, <laughs> so yeah. But but they've got they've got enough quality in the in their squad. Um, no, they, they do. They they they're definitely out of the groups. Um, it'll be like we'll see how they play. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they do with the rest of the tournament. Yeah, and and Austria they they've proven that they are usually an ever present team. Uh, when it comes to uh, international football, your Alaba's Arnautovic, they have they have decent players inside that squad. Although they are very low key, to be fair, but they're they're actually a very tricky side to play. Um, yeah. On a one-off, so that's why I think Netherlands, Austria for that group. Uh, moving on to Group D, I think it's this one could group. have. It's a hard group, actually, as I'm not gonna say it's a farmers group because England, Croatia, Czech Republic, and Scotland. And I feel like, you know, particularly the England Scotland game is gonna be a bit of a wild card, to be fair, because it's kind of like a derby. So. Yeah. <laughs> And um, Croatia have shown us in the past that uh, <laughs> that they can do things. They're a resilient team. They're a talented team, although, you know, maybe some of their golden generation is now getting too old. Or should I just say Modric is getting too old? Take that back. Modric, Modric, Modric <laughs> is a gem. Take that back. <laughs> have you had have you he, he He won Madrid's play of the season. Yeah, oh, but was... then he got overrun by the fresh legs of Mason Mount. <laughs> now nah, let's see let's see it is, i think it is it isn't it's not an easy group um i think that england will definitely not be taking this for granted as we said this is international football people's people's energy changes in these in these competitions uh scotland and czech republic shouldn't be teams that you take for granted of course here we're gonna favor england and croatia because that's what you're supposed to do but i think that taking these games a bit easy or some players not performing at their best, uh, they could be surprised. For sure. <laughs> yeah. With football, there's always room for a surprise. Yeah. Always. I've learned that the hard way now that I'm betting. I've just started betting. <laughs> now. <laughs> no problem. Okay. Uh, that means we can probably move on. I think, well, we'll leave it to England and Croatia for now, but then the other two teams in there, honestly, they, they have a chance yeah. no matter what. Yeah. Group E, not 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 a straightforward group either. Spain, Poland, Sweden, Slovakia, but I know that Ramzan is very concerned with the Spanish back four in particular. <laughs> mm. I'm, not, I'm not impressed. Um, I don't know if... Uh, taking Ramos out of there was a statement. I know that Germany did it a few seasons ago where they said, all oh, your old guys get out. Um, 
I don't know, man. I don't. I don't think it's, like, it's the best thing to do. How many games Sorry? has Ramos played this year? How many games has Ramos played this year? If you I know that he has missed chosen. a lot, I know he has missed a lot of games. Yeah, you don't, you don't. You don't pick players based off their reputation. You pick them off marriage. So I think it's the right approach by Enrique. He doesn't deserve to be in the squad, Ramos. Not just because he's Ramos and he has, or and what he has done in the past. He hasn't done that in in this season. So why should he be there? Do you guys think it's because of Laporte? Because Laporte became available available to them. They kind of like, okay, we do feel pretty safe. Because PK is not in there as well, isn't it? Yeah. No, do you think it's there. because? Do you think it's because of Laporte? Do you think if Laporte was not available for them, they then go back and say, okay, we still kind of need Ramos? I have no problem. Ramos isn't fit. Ramos isn't fit. Is he fit right now? I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he. I don't remember if he played the last game for Madrid. No, I think I think he did. I'm not very sure, 100. percent But then I know that he's not fit enough. As in, I think that was the main reason. Uh, okay. He hadn't he hadn't gotten a good run of games, and I think it kind of cost Madrid La Liga to a certain extent. But <laughs> that's open yeah. to interpretation. Spain but also no. Loki has a Spain also Loki has a goalkeeper issue, isn't it? Kepa is Kepa is wildly out of form. De Gea is not is far from Kepa's his not best in the squad. Is Kepa Kepa's not, not in the squad? squad. Not even the squad. <laughs> what what are they doing? I think they've taken. The I think I think they've taken Unai Simon. I think uh, from is it Athletic Bilbao? Uh, he's he's a decent stop. I think no. I think it's not that but that big of an issue. I think they have uh, reliable people in goal, okay. uh, regardless of Kepa not being there and De Gea not being at his yeah, best. I don't think I don't think it's a massive issue, especially with the way Spain play. I don't think it's a massive Imagine. issue. They've decided to drop the world champion in Kepa Zabalaga. The world champion. Why was Kepa so expensive, man? He's a short keeper as well, isn't it? Was he, what, was he like a really good short stopper before that? I know I'm kind of digressing here, but I see the way that you know, Chelsea fans uh, talk about the guy. They don't speak about him very well. And he was, just, he was really expensive. No, no, no. It was because of the, the pre-COVID inflated price. They were oh, okay. desperate. They were desperate when Coutoir had left. Athletic Bilbao decided, you know what, give us 70 million pounds. You can have him because he was a very decent goalkeeper when he was coming in and he was also very young. So they thought that, Chelsea thought that the investment would have been worth it if this guy's going to be our goalkeeper for the next decade. But <laughs> okay. it's, 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 it's flopped. It's flopped. But no, I think for this group, uh, outside of Spain still getting through, despite the fact that their players look kind of average, they're a very good team. As, you know, as a team, they're very good. Uh, and Enrique has kind of shown that to a certain extent as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think... Uh, Adama, from, Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Adama, Adama. Uh, unfortunately, Fati won't make it, but um, either way, it's still a decent, a decent enough team to do a job. Uh, I'm looking at the, the final three teams here, Poland, Sweden, Slovakia. They... They could fight for they could fight for second or I don't know one of them could even top if they're lucky as well, but I think I'll probably go with Poland mostly because Sweden were hoping for Zlatan to make it to the to the tournament, but I don't know whether Zlatan will make it at this stage because they were really hoping that uh, he could galvanize the squad into something no, this Zla- year. So. No, Zlatan Zlatan got injured. He's gonna miss the tournament. He's gonna miss it, ain't it? Okay, yeah. uh, I just I just saw him posting a bunch of recuperation videos, like as if something's going to happen and he will re- miraculously return or something. 
No, but, uh, I, th- no I, I think Spain, Spain, Poland is sensible yeah. for now. But 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 yeah. let's see how the tournament goes. <laughs> yeah, and now it's uh, time to talk well about possibly the most difficult group ever. That's what it's being uh, <laughs> referred to <laughs> as. This is the oh, this is only the second major tournament whereby the world champions, the European champions, who have met in the group stage uh, since I think 1992 or something, and you know, very well. I think, you know, Germany has something to prove. They've been trying to, you know, bring in the youth. They brought back Thomas Muller. They want to show that they're not washed up as as much as we think that they are. But um, it's, it's a bit worrying if they want to rely on Timo Werner in particular. But it's good that Havertz has shown that uh, he can do a job. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of Germany. Uh, I have been for a long time. It was very sad to see the position that they're in right now, that a team of that stature has to be proving itself. Um, I, do, I don't know. I don't know what their forward line looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid to talk bad about Timo Werner because now he's a world champion. <laughs> no, not a world champion. He's a, he's, a, he's a Champions League winner. So now I'm, yeah, I'm afraid to talk bad about him. Mm. I'm afraid to talk bad about him. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. He does those horrendous, horrendous things that he does at Chelsea. Uh, for Germany, I think it's going to be, it might be a hard tournament for them. Portugal and France have like really, really strong sides. Like the strongest, maybe the strongest sides we have seen in a while. These two teams are absolutely stacked. Um, <laughs> we, we, like, like bruh, if, if Bruno is is maybe the best midfielder in the world, Ronaldo is Ronaldo. They have João Felix. They have... Um, they have who is who is this guy? Uh, uh, William Carvalho still playing. They've got Jao Cancelo. Bro, I don't. I don't even want to go through both of these teams. Those teams. Those, <laughs> are, those two teams are stacked. You know, I don't want to get into that. That's a really long conversation. Uh, but like, but like on game. numbers, on numbers, you really you can't like argue it too far. His numbers are really good. But anyway, I don't. I don't want to get into that too much. Um, but those two teams are stacked. Germany has to be really careful. I think whoever, like, whenever each any of these teams play Hungary, they just have to hammer them. Like, regardless, yeah. hammer, hammer them by <laughs> as many goals as possible. Because they they'll, they'll play for GD. They'll play for GD. Yeah, they'll, they'll play for GD. I, I, think, I think Hungary does have Dominic Shoboslai, who is, like, a really good attacking midfielder. Um, I, I don't know who but else they have. Like, much of a difference. Yeah, I, I don't know who, who else they have. Um, Up against these guys. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I agree. Um, but for now, because I have to go for now, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go France Germany. I'm gonna go France Germany just because I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> After praising Portugal a minute ago. After thinking all the praises about Bruno Fernandes and Ronaldo and Zhao. Because Zhao Felix misses a lot. He misses a lot. I don't know. Ronaldo's Ronaldo, so you can't really you can't really mess with him. Uh, I don't know. No, I think I, I, I think... want I want to go Germany. I want to go Germany because I support Germany. <laughs> but I I don't know. Let me leave this to you guys. <laughs> no, no. I think no. It's it's reasonable. I think it's it's between Germany and Portugal, and either one of them could qualify. What? But I don't think they'll be able. I don't I don't think either of them. No, I mean like for second. <laughs> Don't forget for second. Okay. I think France. I think France. France will top. <laughs> okay. France will. France will top. As I'm sorry, they are 
They're far. I'm not gonna say they're far too good, but I mean they're just they're they're the best team. They're the best they're, team in this. In this they're tournament. the best team. They're the best team in the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally, <laughs> quite, quite, quite literally, they're the best team in the world. But not to say that you don't have like uh, the the World Cup curse. You won the World Cup, and then you kind of. But for me, I feel like their team, especially with Benzema coming in, I think that is uh, that is one of the most astute uh call-ups in recent history to a certain extent because yeah. all of a sudden you have to worry about Karim Benzema <laughs> yeah you, rather you rather are, than you, you already <laughs> had you. to worry about Mbappe you already had to worry about Mbappe now you have to worry about Benzema sheesh <laughs> Griezmann has a lot to learn Griezmann has a lot to learn <laughs> that, that's a bit that's a bit disrespectful you know I have to say <laughs> but anyways <laughs> No, I think um, no, no. We'll talk. We'll talk about France in uh, in detail at some point, probably in the latter stages of uh, this Euro edition. So, I think uh, that's all we have to unpack for now, and we're gonna return to more Euro topics in the future. Then, all right. So that puts an end to our first episode back, the Box to Box Euro 2020 edition. And uh, we wanted to take this time to um, thank all of you guys for uh, listening to our pods, uh, listening consistently. We like the numbers that we see. It just shows that you guys are actually interested in the content that we're producing. So we're very grateful for that, uh, the three of us. So uh, we will be returning for uh, more bonus episodes in the next two months, per se. And uh, we will be back particularly before the round of 16 for Euro 2020 And uh, we'll see you soon, guys.